Cassie, Stephen, Corey, Kelly, Matthew, Daniel M, Daniel R, William, Rachel, Isaiah, John, Lauren, and Kyle were all victims of the April 20th, 1999 Columbine High School shooting. My name is Reagan Kramer, your host today, talking about the unthinkable that happened at approximately 11.19 a.m. by killers Dylan Klebold and Eric Harris. Help is on the way in about 10 minutes, said the dispatchers to Science Room 3. There lied Dave Sanders, who was shot once in the back and once in the neck. He laid there begging his students to tell his girls that he loved them. No one would know at the time, but the words help is on the way would be repeated again and again over the course of more than three hours. This brings us to our first point today, and that is how sadly the story of Columbine could have been a lot different if police officers and SWAT teams were as prepared as they are nowadays. Deputy Chief A.J. DeAndra was among the first SWAT officers inside Columbine High School. He helped get 189 kids safely out of the school. He shares that day was full of chaos, confusion, and heartbreaking decisions police officers faced on April 20, 1999. Dave Cullen, author of Columbine, writes that half a dozen cops arrived every minute, but nobody seemed to be in charge. One of the lieutenants of the SWAT teams arrived, but was completely unfamiliar with the school's recently renovated layouts. These teams should have known the layout to be ready for any occasion. One of the big issues in Columbine was law enforcement wasn't trained to go after the shooter. Instead of immediately confronting the threat and racing into the building, police secured the scene and waited for the SWAT teams to arrive, which allowed the gunmen to continue to fire inside. Now, most police departments have rapid response officers who have the right equipment and will go after the shots as they hear them. People think about what they could have done to help prevent what happened at Columbine. I don't only think of the actual shooting, I think of the aftermath of Columbine and how it affected each and one of those kids, teachers, and families. Drills weren't typical before Columbine, and now active shooter scenarios are common conversations for kids to have in school no matter where they live. Since Columbine, U.S. schools have undergone many other security and preparation upgrades in the last two decades. Local police start storing school blueprints to help map out response plans. Schools have multiple doors now and they're commonly set up so students only use certain ones to get out of the building, setting a joke point that security people can control as they come into school. 
Over 90% of schools now have a written crisis plan, while, all, while over 75% schools as young as elementary schools hold active shooter drills. Police departments have rapid response officers who carry heavier assault weapons and are trained to immediately enter the building. officers waited for the SWAT team at least a 45 minute delay. Now police are quick to enter schools knowing that it could save lives. They hear gunshots. They're going to keep moving closer and closer to it until they confront the shooters. Columbine prioritized mental health both in the beginning and after the shooting, the outcome of Columbine would have been extremely different. The FBI concluded that Eric was a psychopath who had lack of empathy, narcissistic traits, and unconstrained aggression. Dylan was concluded to be an angry depressive who showed low self-esteem, anxiousness, and vengeful attitude towards individuals who he believed mistreated him. I think one of the most surprising thing is that neither one of them were prior diagnosed with any of these mental illnesses. One of the biggest issues that had happened was schools and parents at home did not prioritize mental health like they should have. Mental health was more characterized as embarrassing rather than serious. Wouldn't it be amazing if we had teachers who are teaching children how to live with mental wellness, with skills to deal with stress, with failure, with anxiety, with negative thinking? She wants those skills taught early on. So does Matthew Mishkind of the Johnson Depression Center. I think by getting them the skills sooner, I think we'll see dramatic changes in how we communicate with each other. If schools back then had done mental health awareness, I think possibly both boys, more so Dylan, would have been able to receive help and would have extremely impacted the outcome of Columbine. The reason why I say Dylan would be able to change is because Eric was very violent and characterized as a psychopath. He wanted to hurt others. Well, I think Dylan was just struggling with things within himself rather than the world, and he needed to fix himself before he could fix others. And I think if there was mental health awareness, I think Dylan would be able to fix that. After Columbine, people should have started a mental health awareness because there's many students who dealt with PTSD, depression, and anxiety, and all of those were a result of the shooting of Columbine. Many of the kids at Columbine said, I'm fine, I'm fine, I don't need to talk to anyone. Each student dealt with the tragedy differently, said Principal DeAngelis. DeAngelis soon realized Columbine could no longer serve Chinese food because that was served the day of the shooting. Some students wouldn't participate in fire drills. The school couldn't show war movies, and the administration banned camouflage clothing because first responders wore it that day. You struggle in the aftermath, feeling guilty that you survived. Your sense of safety and trust has been stolen from you. You can't sit with your back to an exit. You fall to the ground in fear when you hear loud noises. Now you're the girl from Columbine, broken.
That was Amy over-speaking, a survivor of Columbine. With all of this, you would think that you would see mental health awareness over Columbine, but you didn't. You didn't see any. Angelus, principal of Columbine, had to hide the fact that he was seeing a counselor because it would be deemed to be unfair for his duty. DeAngelis said the first few years after the shooting, his weight dropped. He went to the emergency room several times, mistaking his anxiety for a heart attack. But once again, there was nothing. There's nothing for those students, families, or teachers to go to. They all had experience and hide their pain. Those kids would have had it a lot easier if people had just talked about it. hasn't changed is that school shootings are still happening, with one after another unfolding in the 20 years since Columbine. At least 143 people have been killed in school shootings since Columbine. There have been 11 school shootings that were considered mass shootings, where four or more victims were killed. Three of these shootings were Sandy Hook, Parkland, and Virginia Tech, and they were all deadlier than Columbine. The massacre at Virginia Tech in 2007 is the deadliest school school shooting in U.S. history. Some captured the nation's attention, the horror of the mass murder of 20 young children and six educators in the 2012 Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting in Newtown, Connecticut. Then there was the 2018 shooting at Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, where 17 were gunned down by a classmate. Just like Eric and Dylan, these gunmen will plan weeks, months, sometimes years in advance as they build up. The people who conduct school shootings tend to be affected mentally unwell individuals searching for a sense of social connection and life meaning. They go online, they look at past attacks, and in a way, they connect with not only past incidents, but also past attackers. This description matches both Eric and Dylan very well. One of the biggest questions is why are school shooting numbers going up? I think many factors play a role in it. Today we have kids who are so isolated inside, playing video games and glued to their tablets and everything else, that they don't learn those problem-solving skills. We continue to see poor coping skills and poor conflict resolution skills. And as more of the school shootings are happening, it becomes sort of acceptable that's a way I can settle my grievances. Many estimates show that even though mental illness affects so many of our kids aged 6 through 17, at least one half and many estimate as many as 80% of them do not receive the mental health care they need. Several studies suggest that subgroups of people with severe or untreated mental illness might be at an increased risk for violence in periods surrounding psychotic episodes or psychiatric hospitalization. Each and every one of those kids who had shot up a school, at least in the last years, have dealt with extreme mental illness. Since then, schools are now requiring to implement mental health services. It's up to the people now to make the change and make sure that these kids who are feeling violent and depressive receive help.
Today we looked at The Unthinkable That Happened, April 20th, 1999. We looked back at all the things that we could have done to change the outcome of Columbine. Sadly, we can't change the past, but we can change the future. It's up to us to face the harsh reality and make a change. I'm your host, Reagan Kramer. Thanks for listening.